Welcome to the podcast sermon portion of the worship service from First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. We invite you at some time to come and worship with us live on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. We're located at the corner of Ashland and Elm in LaGrange, Illinois. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, find our website at fpclg, fpclg.org. On that page, you can scroll to the bottom and be invited to participate in this podcast ministry on our contributions page. Please make a gift at whatever level you are able. Thank you so much, and we trust you will be blessed by this podcast ministry. Let's join the worship service with a scripture reading already in progress. This morning is from the 8th chapter of Proverbs, beginning on page 557 in the Old Testament of your Pew Bible. Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, beside the way, at the crossroad, she takes her stand. Beside the gate, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portal, she cries out. To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earth and fields, or the world's first bit of soil, When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. When he made the firm, when he made firm the skies above. When he established the fountains of the deep. When he assigned to the seas its limits, so that the waters may not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth. When I was beside him, like a master worker, I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Scripture from the fifth chapter of Paul's letter to the Church of Rome, Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Paul writes, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. We boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions, knowing that affliction produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The word of the Lord. Quiet your hearts. On this Trinity Sunday, when we reflect on the fullness of your presence with us, 
we ask that we not compress you into a formula of theology, but that we allow your presence with us to expand into every corner of our lives. For you alone have words of eternal life in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ending with the Trinitarian formula there, I could tell each and every former Catholic who, when I got to that, am I supposed to genuflect with each other? <laughs> what prayer do you think is the one most frequently stated inside the buildings of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange? What prayer is the most common one? I, I know what you're thinking. Of course, it's the Lord's Prayer. Except I don't think it's the Lord's Prayer. We are the host to not one but two 12-step programs that meet in our facilities. On Wednesdays, there's the Gratitude Group. It's an AA group that gathers. And then on Saturday evenings, there is a second group. It is the Miracles Happen Narcotics Anonymous Group. And while we don't track their attendance, their weekly presence ranks from a few to several dozen on occasion, there are more people in those two 12-step programs than there are people in the sanctuary on Sunday morning. Now, with no aspersion to any of the other many ministries of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange, providing a room and lights and heat and air conditioning and an outlet for a coffee maker may be one of the most important ministries that we do. And at the end of each of their meetings, they speak a prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Reinhold Niebuhr, perhaps one of the most consequential theologians of the 20th century, shared that prayer with Winifred Crane Weigel. Winifred Weigel was an executive for the YWCA and wrote a version of that prayer in an article in March of 1933 in which she was discussing the work of one of her Union Theological Seminary professors, shout out to Union, hope, yeah, Reinhold Niebuhr. Later in 1940, she included the prayer again with direct attribution to Niebuhr in a book about the planning of worship services. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This simple prayer is recited by those struggling with addiction at least twice a week in our buildings, echoing through Westminster Hall or Fellowship Hall or the second floor Westminster Conference Room. Yes, it does exist. Uh, whatever space we assign to our 12-step programs, depending upon the building use calendar that hangs in Jen's office, we bounce them around from room to room based on what we're doing with other rooms, and they never complain. I guess the changelessness of the church building use calendar is one of those things that we need the serenity 
to encounter. Niebuhr, in his own work, confronted two tacts of Christian theology in the 1930s. One was a utopian social gospel that preached that the betterment of society and culture through the Christianly work of civil reform should be the job of the church. Give people freedom, give them a decent wage, grant to them the tools of education and health care and opportunity, and the world would flourish into God's great kingdom. Niebuhr believed that to be somewhat naive, that the corruption of the human heart kept bending social advancement into the private control of a few. And so while he shared the vision for justice and fairness and peace and opportunity, he said merely stating that utopian vision was not going to be sufficient to transforming the world because people still have sinful hearts. On the other front, Niebuhr battled against the private moralism of the fundamentalists, or the people we know as conservative evangelicals, that taught that God's kingdom was all about the human heart. It needed obedience to spiritual discipline and morality in order to work out salvation. There, Niebuhr believed that society was being completely ignored and the human living conditions were irrelevant to their pious spirituality. What he proposed became known as Christian realism. Christian realism that preached both personal moral development and public social responsibility. Niebuhr wrote in 1944 uh, in his book, and pardon the absence of inclusive language, he was writing in 1944, but he said, man's capacity for justice makes democracy possible. Man's capacity for justice makes democracy possible, but man's inclination towards injustice makes democracy necessary. Our capacity to be just makes democracy possible. Our tendency towards injustice makes democracy necessary. Now please understand, I could go on and on and on about my preference for Niebuhr's theology in these troubled times, but today's sermon is something more than love thy neighbor. I was hoping that would work better. Unfortunately, Danny's sleepy these days, so I don't get to try my jokes on her, because she'd have probably told me to pull that one. The sermon is not about Niebuhr's Christian realism, though I think it's extremely important, and it's interesting that the writings of Reinhold Niebuhr uh, were extremely influential in several public figures uh, that, whose names we know. Jimmy Carter is a great admirer of Reinhold Niebuhr. Uh, and interestingly enough, James Comey, the former director of the FBI, wrote his master's thesis on the writings of Reinhold Niebuhr. His influence is still being experienced to this day. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk instead about wisdom, that passage that Mary so eloquently read to us from Proverbs. Wisdom. I want to talk about the last line of that serenity prayer, the wisdom to know the difference. I want to talk about that line because I have a confession to make. I have very little serenity about the things that I cannot change. I don't have much serenity about them. 
And I simultaneously confess that I am completely lacking in courage to even considering the change, things that I can change, those things that are in, the power, in my power to address. In fact, I must admit, I have endless courage to rage on and on and on about things that are completely beyond my ability to control. I can engage with you with great courage talking about the real reason that gas prices are so high, about the January 6th insurrection, about opioid addiction, about gun violence, about Russia's invasion in Ukraine, and about abortion legislation. All these issues about which I can summon endless courage and with my self-righteous indignation I can scream your petty foolish opposition to my well-crafted arguments I can take you down to paste and then we'll walk away from our debate equally smug that we have done something when in reality we have accomplished nothing in the end of the day, we're emptied then of all of the energy and imagination that we could have dedicated to actually changing something that we can. Thirty years ago, an associate pastor of this congregation taught an adult class on the problems of homelessness. Using deep analysis of the social systems and the individual problems that were creating an entire pool of individuals that had housing insecurity. And the intent of the associate pastor was to move on the following Sunday to the next topic of discussion, except some of the class members began talking about what they could actually do about real homelessness, about people in our own community. And from their conversation, the ministry Beds was born. And a few years later, LaGrange area transitional housing came into being. Why? Because they had the wisdom to know the difference. They were serene about the theoretical causes of people facing housing insecurity, but they were incredibly courageous about finding real people a safe place to sleep and to ultimately live. More than any think tank, or community debate or hearing, folks like Mary Hohe had the courage to make phone calls and the courage to ring doorbells. And as she said, to raise good Republican money to pay for real homeless people. If they could contribute, if they could volunteer, she made it possible for them to do the change because she backed them up with her courage. And as for that prayer for wisdom that echoes through the conclusion of people talking about their addiction at the end of each of those 12-step programs, I must confess that I have an addiction of my own. I have the desire to be courageous about things I cannot change. And I have a sick serenity about things that I could change. Shout out to a contemporary organization we don't have to go 34 years back to beds. We can look at our own members' involvement in an organization called Moms to Mind Action for Gun Sense in America. Now, they were very busy yesterday. They were more than willing to march against systemic problems regarding gun legislation. 
but they were also dedicated to roll up their sleeves and invite people to have normalized conversation about safely keeping guns in their homes, their smart program, where they just want to regularize the conversation as to whether or not, if you have firearms, are they secure, are they safe, in particular, before my kids come over and play in your house. It's straightforward, it's not preachy, and it must confess that their own activities are the kind of change that they had the courage to address. Another contemporary example, one that we're going to learn a little bit more about during our offering time today, water security. Water security, visual aid. Ah, that's good. We can ask the question, why is so much of the world facing water insecurity, water shortages, unclean water. Well, obviously it's globalized industrialization, infrastructure problems complicated by unrestrained capitalism and corrupt developing country governments, relegation of the poor to substandard living conditions, while the first world exploits resources. I could go on and on and on, and I have to confess I am tempted so to do. Meanwhile, while the pastor rants on about global issues, our low mission committee spearheaded the work of a few folks to head down to El Salvador in El Paracio just this past week to assist a community in actually constructing a water filtration system. Hmm, that's weird. The courage to change something. The wisdom to know the difference. My problem is my zero-sum capacity because every time I screen on and on and on about something with which I ultimately, at the end of the day, have no connection or capacity to change, I keep feeding that addiction by pretending that I'm actually making a difference. I think I've really accomplished something when in reality I, at the end of the day, have no energy to actually roll up my sleeves and do anything practical that will affect somebody's life. Today is Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday. What on earth does all this ranting about Niebuhr's Christian realism have to do with the Trinity? Well, I have to confess that the doctrine of the Trinity is one of those things that I just have to serenely accept. It's a way in which the church through the ages has chosen to articulate its understanding of divine character and divine unity. Three and one, one and three, isn't that amazing? Deep cleansing breath. Serenity. But then Paul writes, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And so through the grace of Christ, we have justification and peace with God, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God, and it does not disappoint because God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, it's been given to us. And what does that give us? We could wander down that door if we don't have the wisdom to know the difference and spend the next several weeks debating and articulating what exactly the doctrine of the Trinity happens to mean in our modern world. Or we could serenely say that's how we talk about it. Do we have the courage to change the things 
I can. Our prayer at the end must be the prayer for the, the beginning, the wisdom, the wisdom to know the difference. God, help me. God, help me. Amen. Here's another moment where you just need to serenely get through it so you might be able to, at the end have courage left over. Let's not try to understand it. Let's just serenely recite it, our confession, the words of the Apostles' Creed, the earliest articulation of the three parts of the Godhead. Please stand. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated.